where you live changes how you live. Now, what does that mean? Where you live changes how you live. Well, I'm going to show you a couple pictures because I think this is very interesting just to think about how other people around us live. And so this first, first picture up on the screen is a picture of the, the Danakil Depression. And uh, it's this place in, in the lowlands of Ethiopia. And in these lowlands, there's this volcano. And this volcano is like continually erupting. But it isn't just a, a normal eruption. As, as the lava spills out of this depression, it actually burns blue because it's burning toxic fumes. Now, you would think that this is a place where you may not want a vacation. I mean, it might be cool to see, but to like be there breathing in these fumes and this like pretty rough uh, terrain and, and some of those things going on, you may not want to live there, but there's actually a people group called the Afar people who have lived there for over 2000 years. So they've made this their home. They, they've figured out how to live there, but they live far different than we might live, right? Now, there's another place. Uh, the next picture is called La Rinconada. And this is a place in the Andes Mountains of Peru. And in these mountains, there's tens of thousands of people who live in this city at 16,000 feet above sea level. I don't know how high that is. Like, to me, that means absolutely nothing. Uh, if you have, have seen Pastor John before, uh, really in the past week and a half or so, there's this thing that he can't stop talking about, and he, like, climbed this little mountain, right? Uh, it's called, like, Kilimanjaro or something. You know, it's, like, not really that big a deal. Uh, but the, the peak there is, like, in the 19,000s of feet, and it was pretty challenging. Like, you got to the top, and they pretty much said, like, all right, time to go. And they didn't spend much time there um, because it's hard to breathe at that level. Now, that's 3,000 feet above, but at 16,000 feet, like, that's pretty high. Not, not many people live at that height. This is actually one of the highest places that people live just in the world. And they live there, and, and many of them are gold miners, and they work according to this system called the Kakareo system. And it's an ancient system where basically the miners work without pay for 30 days. And then the final day of the month, they get to work for themselves. And that final day, whatever they can carry, they carry out and, and they just hope that there's gold in the ore that they mined that day or else they didn't get paid for the previous 30 days, right? They live far different than we live because where you live changes how you live. There's another city, there's a city called Mazdar City in the United Arab Emirates. And this is a city that was constructed, began to be constructed in 2006, and, and they designed it and desired for it to be this eco-friendly city, the, this city that was going to be the, the first that had zero waste, zero carbon energy, like footprint, like all that kind of stuff, solar power, wind power, all that kind of stuff. That was their intention, and uh, they've had some mixed reviews and mixed experiences with it, but it is a very different city environment than what we might experience here in Western Pennsylvania. Where you live changes how you live. Where you live changes how you live geographically, where in the world you might live, but it also changes spiritually. Where you live changes how you live. So before we move on, we're going to stop and say hello to those who aren't in this room, to those who maybe are watching online. So hello to you in the classic venue uh, watching this service. Hello, welcome for joining us. Thanks for, for being here with us. Um, for those of the Moon Campus, also thanks for being here with us. And uh, I was told, or actually Maya asked me to give her a shout out. So what's up, Maya? It's good to see you. I'm glad you're there. And uh, also to those just watching online, uh, hello to you as well. Uh, we're so glad that you join us here, not just here in this room, but expanding beyond these walls. And uh, so 
We're excited to dive in today. We're going to talk about kingdoms. And uh, when we talk about kingdoms, it's language that we don't always use. Um, but I actually, like, there, there's this, this desire that I sometimes have to, like, have grown up in a different era of time. Have you ever desired that? Like, have you ever thought about, man, if I had lived in a different time period, like what time would I have lived in? I would have loved to live at a time where there were castles and kingdoms and sword fighting and all this kind of stuff. Like, I just feel like it would be so exciting. And I realized like the birth rate, death rate, like all all those kind of things, like it wasn't great. Like life was pretty hard, but again, where you live changes how you live. So I would live different than I do now as well, but it would be very exciting. But it's language that, that isn't always relevant for today. We don't talk about kingdoms all that much, but the Bible does specifically talk about kingdoms. They talk about earthly kingdoms or empires of the Babylonians and the, the Persians and the Romans and, and others. And, and these were earthly kingdoms. The Bible also talks about the, these kind of grand overarching kingdoms where all other kingdoms fit into. These are the kingdoms of darkness and the kingdom of God. Or sometimes it is the, the kingdom of light is also called the, the kingdom of God. And so when we think about that, the kingdom of darkness is also called the kingdom of this world. And, uh, and, and so when we talk about the kingdom of God, I, I was struck by thinking about that term and, and wondering, sometimes we, we have these words, we have these phrases, but they don't always make sense. Like if, if we were to define, like, what is this? What does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of God? What does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of the world? Like, what do those things mean? What does it look like? And so that's really where we're going to go today is to, to help define, like, what do we mean when we talk about the kingdom of God and living in the kingdom of God? What does that look like? What does that mean? What should it mean for my life? How should it impact the way that I live? And why does it even matter? And so I know it's unlikely that over the course of one sermon, I'm going to be able to to deliver everything that there is to know about the kingdom of God. Um, But my hope is really just to to increase your appetite for it, is to increase your your desire to know more about the kingdom of God, to to consider where you are and what kingdom you are living as a part of. And uh, a lot of times you're going to see that the fruit of your life is going to reveal which kingdom you're actually living according to the rules of. Um, But really, I want to elevate the importance that you place on the kingdom of God in the here and now, because it's something that does matter right here and right now. It's not just something in the future that we need to worry about or be concerned with, but it impacts us here and now. So if you have your pathway notes, you can pull them out, and and we're going to get to our first blank. You're going to see, we're not just going to stick with one passage of Scripture. We're going to jump around a little bit to some different pieces, um, some assorted Scriptures. But the first blank there in your pathway notes, as we talk about the kingdom of God and trying to understand this kingdom of God, is that the kingdom of God invites you to a new way of living. The kingdom of God invites you to a new way of living. And really, this is one of the reasons why it is so important and so relevant for us here and now is because it invites us into a new way of living, not at some point in the future, but here, right now, today, tomorrow, the next day. It matters and impacts our everyday life. And when we think about the kingdom of God and this way of living, we realize that it's different than what we expected at first. We saw it even in the early church, that the disciples, it was not quite what they expected it to be 
at first. There's a, a difference here to this kingdom. We've called it before this upside down kingdom. It's just different than everything that we experience. There, there's a different purpose behind the kingdom of God than the kingdom of the world. There, there's a different goal, a different intention in mind. We're headed a, a different direction when we follow in the way of the kingdom of God. And so as we live according to the kingdom of God, we, we're doing that as we follow the way of Jesus. And if you didn't know, there's actually uh, Christians, before they were called Christians, uh, they were called people of the way. And I, I just love that because it's like you're following along the way, you're, you're going the way of Jesus, you're, you're following his direction, his guidance, you're, you're on the way with him, you're following a different way of life. And so in order to be in the kingdom of God, we have to follow the way of Jesus. And so what does that look like? Well, you thought that we finished Mark last week. Just kidding. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8. So if you want to turn to Mark chapter 8, and maybe you brought your scripture journal with you, and you want to go back to Mark chapter 8 and look at your notes, we're going to start there because there's something that happens towards the end of Mark chapter 8 that is so significant when we think about this new way of living that the kingdom of God invites us into. So Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 34, says this. Calling the crowd, along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit someone or what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? Sometimes as we read the scriptures, it's sometimes helpful to read in different translations because different translations put different words in because the, the complexity of the Greek language means that there's more than one word that, that can really fit the context there. And sometimes we connect more with, with a different way of, of saying something. And so there's another translation that, that looks at verse 34 and it says this, and it says, like as it talks about denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Jesus, this translation says, any who want to walk the road with me must turn away from their own path and carry their own cross as they follow me to the place of ultimate sacrifice. Verse 36 and 37 says this, How will it help you to get everything you want in this world but lose the true life? Is there anything in this world worth trading for it? And when I read that verse 37, I was like, wow, what a question. Is there anything in this world worth trading for it? Now we want to say no, right? We're in church. It would be like, it would behoove us to say, oh, absolutely not. And yet as soon as we walk out these doors, there's this battle for our attention and our affection and our allegiance. And it's actually not just a battle out there, it's a battle in here as well. We get tired, we get distracted, start to check our watch like, been going for a while, you almost done, right? I know sometimes I can be a little long-winded and I apologize for that, but sometimes you just gotta keep saying what the Lord is giving you to say. 
regardless of how long it takes. Now, I will do my best to not take too long here today, but, you know, no promises. But is there anything in this world worth trading for it? And there's so many things that, that grasp and fight for our attention. And so as we look at what the scriptures say about denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following the way of Jesus, that's ultimately what it means to live as a member of the kingdom of God. Now, we also know that it's not just the kingdom of God that exists. There's also the kingdom of this world or the kingdom of darkness. And so we know where you live changes how you live. We talked about the geography earlier. Now we're in the spiritual aspect of this. Whatever kingdom you are a member of is going to change how you live your life. It's going to change the priorities that you have. It's going to change the values that you live for. It's going to change everything about you. In the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the church in Colossae, and, and he talks about these two different kingdoms. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14, he says this. He says, he, speaking of God, has rescued us from the domain or, or the kingdom of darkness. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, we're all born into a kingdom. We're born into the kingdom of this world. And because we're born into the kingdom of this world, we're under the dominion of that kingdom. Dominion just means sovereignty or control. And we know that every kingdom has a ruler. The kingdom of darkness has a ruler. It's ruled by the ruler of the powers of the darkness, the evil one. The kingdom of the son he loves or the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God is, is ruled by the creator of the universe. It's ruled by Yahweh. And as we think about these two kingdoms, we realize that there is a, a distinct difference between these two kingdoms. One of them is darkness and the other is light. And you'll notice that something just changed right? All of a sudden, you're like, oh, I can see my Bible. I can see people around me. What is, what is happening now? Oh, that wasn't an accident. Did you notice when we started this sermon that, that the lighting was different? Now, whether you notice it or not, you got used to it, didn't you? Maybe. Maybe you're trying to look at your Bible and you're like, I, I can't see. I still can't see. I still can't see. But you start to, your eyes start to adjust a little bit or you have your phone and it's backlit or, or something, you know, so then you're just ahead of the game. But the reality is when we're born into a kingdom, we don't always know that we're there. We don't always know that we're in the darkness until the light turns on and it's like, oh, wow, I can all of a sudden see now. And, and that's what it is to be transferred, to be rescued from the dominion of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light where like everything is now like, whoa, I now see and understand things in a way that I, I never had before. And that's what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. So the question for you is, are you a part of that kingdom? Are you part of the kingdom of God or, or still a part of the kingdom of the world? And that's a, an answer that you have to give yourself. No one else can give it for you. I mean, there might be some, some indicators and, and some things like that, but we're also really good at pretending and, and really good at putting on a, a brave face, putting on a, a mask when we come to church. And, and so you can pretend your way, but uh, it doesn't always work out very well when we pretend. Because eventually we're going to be found out. 
Eventually, people are going to see through the, the cracks in the mask. And so are you a part of the kingdom of God? Well, how do you know? How do you know when you're, you're transferred from the kingdom of darkness or the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the son that he loves? How, how do you know? Well, it, it's asking the question of, have you entered through the narrow gate of Jesus? He's the gate to the kingdom. Following his way is your way into the kingdom. Recognizing it and confessing your sins repenting or turning from your sins and, and the way of living dominated by your selfish flesh and by faith, putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Like that is your entrance into the kingdom of God is trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, to be the savior of the penalty of your sins and to be the Lord or the ruler of your life. You are declaring that I am no longer a part of the ruler of the kingdom of darkness, but I am a part of the member of the, the ruler of the kingdom of light. And he is my ruler. He is the one who sets the direction for my life. So which kingdom are you living for? Again, Mark 8, 34, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. As we follow this, this kingdom of God way, following the, the way of Jesus, we realize it's different because the, the goal of our lives is, is now for, for his kingdom and his glory. It's not for us. Our, our life is actually meant to be lived within the context of his kingdom, to expand his kingdom and to live consistent with his kingdom values. It's an upside down kingdom, as we mentioned we see a vision of this in John 18, 36, where Jesus talks about how his kingdom is different. Jesus and Pilate are talking and Jesus answered him and said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. They would have had a different goal in mind than they did. But my kingdom is not from the world. The way of Jesus is really the, the way of, of self-denial. We don't live for our own path or our own satisfaction. We live for the glory of God. Now, we can also get on dangerous territory here when we talk about self-denial. We can go to, to extremes and, and all that kind of stuff as well. We can start to put all of, all of the responsibility on us. If I, I have to deny myself, I have to do all this work, it feels overbearing, it feels like this weight that is put on me, but that's not what he's talking about here. Because do you remember from Colossians 1, who rescued you from the dominion of darkness? When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, who rescues you from the dominion of darkness and transfers you into the kingdom of the Son that he loves? Did, did you do that? Or did your heavenly Father do that? It was your heavenly Father who transfers you. It is your heavenly Father who empowers you. It is his Holy Spirit in you as you by faith believe in Jesus Christ. It's his Holy Spirit filling you and overflowing out of you that enables you to follow the kingdom values listed in the word of God. To live in a way consistent with the kingdom of God. It's a spirit-empowered denial of self. So, what does it look like, this new way of living that God has given to us as we live in his kingdom? Well, the, the, I guess, subset of blanks there. So we got like just three main blanks. Now we got some subsets, some subpoints, right? So here we go. This subpoint number one, the kingdom of God impacts the way we speak. The kingdom of God impacts the way we speak. Now let's do an informal poll, okay? How many of you have ever, we're going to raise our hands, we're going to be honest here, okay? How many of you have ever said something in the heat of a moment where you immediately knew 
Like just that thought when you're just like, oops, shouldn't have done that. How many, how many, raise your hand. Oh, we got two hands in the back. I love it. Yep, right. I mean, this is the reality of the world that we live in is it's really hard to temper our tongues. It's really hard to tame our tongues. And yet the kingdom of God changes the way that we speak. We see in Colossians chapter four, verses five and six, uh, the apostle Paul writes, he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Like this verse six right here, Colossians 4, 6, like you should get this one framed in your house. Like not just for as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Like as for me and my house, we will speak in a way that's always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We don't always do that very well, do we? But the kingdom of God calls us to this. And so how do we do it? Well, it's as we study the word of God and allow it to actually impact our lives and change what we do. It's as we deny ourselves that we're able to do this. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any, pretty sure the Greek word there in English means any, right? It's really fancy, I know, right? It means like all, don't let any, unwholesome talk. Not like, oh, just a little bit's okay here or there. It's like, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. So what should come out of your mouths? Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If we think through the words that we've used just in the past 24 hours, what is this? You know, like this is, this gets convicting, right? The kingdom of God changes the way that we speak. And so when we start to deny ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit, we start to speak differently. We deny ourselves the right to speak however we want to. We deny ourselves the right to to speak in an unwise or an unwholesome way and instead choose to speak in the way of Jesus that builds others up and benefits those who hear us. The kingdom of God impacts the way we think. That's point number two or sub point number two, whatever it is. The kingdom of God impacts the way that we speak, but also the way that we think. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what does it look like to deny ourselves in our thinking. Well, we deny ourselves the right to host any and every kind of thought that comes in. And instead, we take those thoughts, we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ so that our mind would be renewed and and help us to live in this new and transformed way in the kingdom of God. We don't just let any thought remain in our mind. We can't control the thoughts that come in, but once they're in, we tell them where to go and what to do. In the kingdom of God, we, we think differently. The kingdom of God also impacts the way that we forgive. It impacts the way that we forgive. This one's hard. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So when you think about what God has forgiven you from, and then you were to look at what somebody else did to you, you're supposed to forgive it as you have been forgiven. In the way that you have been forgiven, just as as Christ forgave you, you are to forgive others. 
So we deny ourselves the right to hold on to wrongs. We deny ourselves the right to allow bitterness to take root. We deny ourselves the right to be easily offended and to continue to hold on to an offense. And instead, we choose the way of Jesus, which is the way of forgiveness. Now, this is not to say that when somebody has like done legitimate wrong to you and, and requires forgiveness, it, it doesn't mean that like all of a sudden the relationship is, is 100% just the, back the way that it was. But it does mean bitterness is no longer growing in your heart. It means you're not gossiping about this behind their back and continuing to talk about it and continuing to hold on to it and continuing to allow it power in your life. You have forgiven. Doesn't make it go away but it releases the hold and the power that it has on you. The kingdom of God also impacts the way that we love. We could go to 1 Corinthians 13. It's a great passage to look at. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about what love is, what it looks like. But there's some others that we could look at as well that, that are just as challenging in the way that we love in the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 5, as Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, in this upside-down kingdom of mine, to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Matthew 22, this famous passage that talks about what are the two greatest commandments, right? This, one, this uh, teacher comes in, or he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We deny ourselves the opportunity to hate other people, to hold on to things that cause discord. We deny ourselves the, the right to seek revenge and get back at somebody, repaying evil for evil. Instead, we choose to love in a sacrificial way that, that loves our enemies and prays for them. And we choose to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, it's not easy to live in this kingdom. It's not easy to, to think in this kind of way. It's not easy to have these kinds of things be present and active every day of our lives. And why is it not easy, right? Don't you just wish it would be a little bit more simple? It's one thing to say these things, and it's another to put them into practice. Like, I'm preaching more to myself than I am to any of you right now to remind myself of these things because it is so hard to do. Pastor Jason, a couple of weeks ago, called this a collision of kingdoms. That's why it's so hard. It's because we were born in a different kingdom. And if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you've been transferred into this new kingdom, but you still have some of the old kingdom on you that, that is trying to pull you back. It's trying to, trying to make you like look over the ramparts of the, the kingdom castle that you're in, trying to call you back to it, trying to entice you to come back, trying to invite you to walk back out of that gate and back into its kingdom because it wants you, because the ruler of the darkness wants you to be his. He wants you to worship him. And so he's doing everything he possibly can to bring you out of the kingdom of light, back into the kingdom of darkness, and so he's going to do everything possible to trip you up. He's going to do everything possible to distract you. 
Because the kingdom of God is actively engaged in battle. That's our next main point, is the kingdom of God is actively engaged in battle. We are not in a kingdom that's at peace. Now, the peace of God resides in the kingdom of God, but we are not in a kingdom that is in peacetime. We are in a battle. We are in a war. And it's a spiritual war. The kingdom of darkness is waging war against the kingdom of light. Our heavenly father is engaged in a kingdom war with the father of lies. We see this in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, we, we have this passage here called like the armor of God. And we, we talk about this, this warfare here. And, and the apostle Paul goes through and he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? This isn't just an earthly thing. Our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, in this kingdom of darkness. And so because of all that, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Our Heavenly Father, who has transferred us, when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, who has transferred us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son that He loves, that same Heavenly Father doesn't just say, hey, good luck. He says, hey, the war is here and here's how to fight. Here's this armor to put on to protect you from the schemes of the devil because there are schemes that exist because he is actively trying to pull you back to the darkness. And not just here's defensive armor, but here's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is what we do our battle with, with the truth. That is how we defeat evil in this world is through the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we don't have time to go through all of these armor of God and the sword of the spirit. But if you're interested, like here's some extra credit homework, okay? We actually taught through this at Pathway Student Ministries. Um, if you didn't know, I'm the youth pastor um, here at Pathway. And so in Pathway Student Ministries in November of 2022, we went through the armor of God. And uh, so if you want to, just go to YouTube, type in Pathway Student Ministries, the gospel at war. And it gives you seven weeks that we went through each of these pieces of armor. And so if you want to do a little bit of extra homework, you can go do that. Um, if you're tired of my voice, like, don't go do that because I did primarily teach that. So like, if you're just like, whew, he talks too fast and whatever, like, it's probably going to be about the same. So, but just some extra credit if you want it. So that, that's free for you. Um, so there's so much that, that could be said about the kingdom of God. And, and the Bible talks a lot about these two kingdoms. And again, I reference like, we're not going to be able to take all the time that we might want to, to, to get into just all the nitty gritty of the kingdom of God. Um, but as we think about these two kingdoms, we think about the kingdom of God specifically, we know that the denying ourselves is not something that comes naturally, right? Because when we deny ourselves, what we are doing is the, the thing that was natural to us. We are now denying ourselves the natural and, and following the supernatural. And so sometimes that can feel uh, not all that wonderful 
to deny yourselves, right? And, uh, you know, my, my wife had, had just made some cookies yesterday, some chocolate chip cookies, and uh, I love chocolate chip cookies, and they're just delicious. And you know, cookies taste better when? Right out of the oven. I got home as they were coming out of the oven, and it's just so easy to just like, I mean, they just like slide right down. You know, they just melt in your mouth. You're like, did I even have one? There's like a light taste of chocolate in my mouth, but I'm not even sure. Did I just have one or was that just like, I just smelled them? I, I don't know. Maybe I'll try another one just to make sure, right? And it's just like, it's hard to deny yourself in those moments. Now, when it's not talking about cookies and there's other things involved, it, it matters that we deny ourselves. Now, it also matters, like, I can't just eat all cookies like that, you know, but you understand what I'm saying. It's not always easy to deny ourselves. And sometimes we don't want to deny ourselves. And, and part of the reason is because we focus more on what we are denying ourselves of rather than focusing on what we are receiving in return. And so we're going to look at another passage in Matthew chapter 13, but the, the final point here is the kingdom of God is worth joyfully giving everything for. It is worth joyfully giving everything for. In the book of Matthew, in, in chapter 11, Jesus is teaching through some different parables about the kingdom of God in particular. And so if you're curious some other things about the kingdom of God, Matthew 13 is a great place to go and to look about, uh, you know, what Jesus has to say about the kingdom of God. But when we look at verse 44, there's something here in particular that, that I think is so valuable for us. And so Jesus says this in Matthew 13, 44. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure, treasure buried in a field that a man found and he reburied it. And then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Now you notice he didn't see the treasure in the field and just try to like make off with it. You didn't see that he uh, reburied it and went to try to barter for the price of the field. What did he do? He went and he gave, he sold everything that he had to go and buy that field because the treasure of what he was going to get was so much greater than what he had to give up to get it. The same thing works when we deny ourselves. You see, we focus on what we're denying ourselves of instead of thinking about what we receive in return. And it's not just what we receive, but it's who we receive. We receive our loving Heavenly Father. We receive Jesus Christ who gave his life for us, who paid the price for your sins who took on that burden on himself so that you didn't have to. We take on, we receive that the Holy Spirit of God, who is our helper, that as we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, as we walk in step with the Spirit, we don't gratify the desires of our flesh. Instead, we deny the desires of our flesh and we walk purposefully in the kingdom of God in step with the Spirit. And so may we not view this denial in a negative light or focus on what we give up instead of what we gain, but may our eyes see what we receive in return as we think about which kingdom we are living a part of. Now again, our words would probably say for most of us that, that we, we want to say that we are living in the kingdom of God. Are you? 
what has most of your attention, most of your heart's affection, most of the allegiance of your time and your schedule and your thought life? You see, when we start to look at the fruit of our lives, we start to see that maybe you've been transferred into the kingdom of the son that he loves because you believe in Jesus. And then you would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I follow the way of Jesus. But when we talk about all these practical things, ah, like I kind of just follow Jesus on Sundays or maybe when it's convenient. When, when push comes to shove and I have to deny myself the right to say something, when I have to deny myself the, the right to be offended, when I have to deny myself the right to think this about somebody or to think in this way towards something, like ah, I don't really want Jesus to impact that part of my life. When that is true of you, you're looking out of the kingdom of God back towards the kingdom of darkness and, and desiring what's out there. And, and the affection of your heart is starting to transfer from one kingdom to the other because you think that that kingdom offers something that this kingdom doesn't. And you, you think in, in the briefest of moments that that kingdom is actually going to give you what you want. But if you've ever been there, if you've ever tried that, and you've tried to leave the kingdom of God and, and try to go back to the kingdom of darkness, you know that it does not satisfy. You know that it does not actually give you what it promises. And so my hope and my prayer for all of you is that, that you would know the kingdom of God in such a way that, that you desire to not just live in it, somewhat, but to joyfully give everything to it. To joyfully in every situation deny your flesh, deny yourself, because you know that what is on the other side of that denial is incredible because it is a gift from our Heavenly Father to us to live in this different kind of way. Now, it does require you to do some hard work it does require you in those moments where, where you do need to make that decision to deny yourself, but you don't do it alone. You do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. You do it through his conviction, through his help. You do it through studying the word of God and knowing what you even need to deny, right? The word of God brings clarity to what you might even need to deny. And so the kingdom of God is not meant to be this, this uh thing way out there or, or way off in the future. It, it's a here and now type of kingdom living that we are called to in the present moment because it truly matters in every single moment of every single day of our lives. Because every single moment of every, every single day of our lives, we are, we are thinking something. We are talking to someone. We are feeling certain things towards someone or other things. We're, we're either we're, we're scrolling or we're waiting in traffic or we're with somebody else or, or we're talking to somebody or we're in conflict or we're in peace or whatever it might be. Like every single day we face these kinds of situations, often like all of them all in the same day, which gets to be a tiring day, right? You're, you're starting to feel like, hey, I, I can't do this in my own willpower. I can't do this in my own personality. I can't do this in my own like family structure or system. Like, like I need Jesus in order to do this. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to deny myself because when I'm left to my own self, it doesn't always go super well. Because again, it's not up to us. God is the one who transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light when we believe in Jesus Christ. And he's the one who keeps us there. He's the one who empowers us to live according to his kingdom values as the ruler over our lives. Because Jesus is not just our savior, he is also our Lord. 
which means as our Lord, he is the one who instructs us in how to live. He knows a better way. He knows a far greater way than we could ever make up ourselves. So may we follow that way. May we live in accordance with the word of God and what it says and how it talks to us about how to live in this kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and and we thank you that in your grace, in your kindness, in your forgiveness, God, you make a way where there seemed to be no way. You make a way for us to enter your kingdom, a place where we have no right to be, but you graciously invite us in because you made it for us, because you love us and and desire for us to be there with you. God, I pray if there's anyone here today who isn't sure where they stand, on, on which kingdom am I a part of, God, that they would feel your loving embrace and invitation to come into your kingdom, to confess their sins, to turn from their way of living, to turn away from their selfishness and call you the ruler and the savior, the Lord and savior of their lives. I pray for each of us that we would humbly surrender ourselves and submit ourselves to you, Jesus. That each and every day we would take on this mantle to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow the way of Jesus. Not because it's easy, but because it's good. Because it's better. Because it's the only way to life. We pray that we would live in your kingdom, knowing that we're going to face opposition, knowing there's going to be collisions. You've prepared us for that. I pray that you would help us to be strong in the midst of those. Heavenly Father, we pray these things in the name of the Son that you love, whose kingdom you transfer us into, Jesus. Amen.